Welcome to the very first episode of the Scramble Squad podcast hosted by myself, Isaac, from the Diamond Gems podcast, and Darren, our very own golf god. Darren's going to bring knowledge to the game, and I'm just here to dumb it down and keep Darren in line. But I'm telling you right now that this pod may slash will go off the rails a lot. We'll be talking about everything from the PGA Tour to those on tour, LPGA Tour, to those with 80 handicaps, golf courses, destinations, equipment, the old folks, the young folks, useless information, and just everything. Period. That's it. Just the everything podcast, Darren. But I'm not going to lie. Sometimes golf is boring, but Darren is not. And we will not allow ourselves to let this frustrating game get the best of us. So with all that being said, Darren, buddy, talk to me. How are you doing this morning? Ah, This morning, I'm chilling. I mean, it was it's been quite a few long days if i'm being honest we're getting actually just settled into our first house so it's been (laughs) quite quite stressful if i'm being honest um between coordinating renos and the amount of pinterest uh pinterest (laughs) uh web pages i have up for bathrooms and kitchens it's borderline absurd yeah i bet it's crazy well i mean congratulations for all of you that know darren obviously darren and Vicky, his partner, bought a house all the way in Calgary. Mm. And the reason I'm saying mentioning Calgary right now is because Darren had a scheduling conflict for tonight when we were supposed <laughs> to do our podcast. So instead of doing it on Tuesday night and releasing it on Wednesday, I mean, we'll still be releasing on Wednesday. So by the time you hear it, you'll, it will be Wednesday. But we're recording in the morning. And the only time that worked was... 9 a.m. Eastern time. Darren is in mountain time. So it is currently 7 a.m. in Calgary, Alberta. And Darren is somehow holding on here to do this episode. Um, First of all, I want to acknowledge the fact that this is the pilot episode. We don't have introduction music right now. Not yet. So it is rough. It's a pilot episode. But if you ever watch the Office pilot, you'll realize like, okay, it's rough. They're always rough. Usually, if it's not some mass-produced shit, it's it's a rough pilot episode. Um, okay. Yeah. But we're very happy to have finally started this. I know Darren and I have had this in the works for a while, wanted to get mm-hmm. on it. Um, I know, obviously, we've been excited for the launch. Uh, there has been a lot of legwork, and there's going to be a lot of legwork going forward to keep you guys on hopefully you'll continue listening to us after this uh we really do have some big plans in the works if you're not familiar with shaped by sports that is a network that supports us uh, so you can check us out on instagram you can also find us on the website shapedbysports.com plenty of sports content there uh, and you can find more information about us our podcast and all of that kind of stuff uh, we'll also be posting plenty of blogs highlighting golf courses around the world and a lot more than that as well. I know Darren has some equipment things in the works that he wants to talk about. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into it. I know Darren and I bring very different perspectives to the game. Darren loves the analytics and all things swings and techniques and equipment and that kind of shit. So Darren, just tell them a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So who I am as far as a person, I'm energetic outgoing and believe me i have an obscene addiction with the game of golf 
as quoted by my partner, believe me when I tell you. Um, I love everything about it, from, just like you mentioned, Lenny, statistics, performance, metrics, swing analysis, like, golf club design and fitting, man, you name it, if it's on the topic of golf, I'm for it. Absolutely. Well, I was just, I just took a sip of my tea. Darren, I am very upset with you that right now, because of you, we're drinking tea instead of beer. Instead of beer, instead well, of we beer. could be drinking beer if you want to. There's it's no five o'clock. Is it five o'clock somewhere? I don't even fucking. I don't know. It's I almost cursed, oh, dude. Yeah, it's five almost cursed. Oh my god. Okay, so well, we have an issue with impulsivity. Let's say maybe language yeah. a little bit. So we're holding yeah. ourselves accountable on this podcast. <laughs> Darren and I have a swear jar, an ongoing tally of our curses. And basically, every time one of us curses, we put a dollar in the jar, and we have our own jars, because whoever swears the most loses. So let's say I swear 10 more times throughout the season than Darren. I owe Darren $10. So basically, this is the best way to hold ourselves accountable. I don't know. Does that one, did that one count, Darren? I, I, I only think I got half of it out. So We'll let now, it slide. We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide because it's a pilot episode. We'll let it slide. Yes. All right. I got well, you. <laughs> well, the podcast being the Scramble Squad will be unproductive if we didn't bring on guests. And that's what 100%. it's all about for us. Uh, so we promise to have some exciting guests that bring their perspective and their own story to our show. We want guests that have a unique story with the game. It doesn't matter who you are, or what you do, just bring something refreshing. Uh, that's the beauty of golf. It's not all about the pros. Everybody has a say, um, but Darren, the Scramble Squad, essentially, what is yeah. it? Why Why are we saying we need guests and stuff? The Scramble Squad has some sentimental meaning between us and that kind of shit, so <laughs> let them know what Scramble Squad is to you. Yeah, man. So the, the origin story, if you will, of the Scramble Squad, just a group of kids who had an itch to learn the game of golf and more importantly, just grow friendships and grow relationships it was just a bunch of us from high school for any of you know kitchener waterloo down in the lowly grand river there just firing up the boys getting a group of uh a four deuce jet to brookfield post school and just absolutely go to town for as long as we could on that golf course play all day stay out all night it was just really a good time to learn the values of golf but more importantly grow as friends in what seemed to be a tough spot in high school i mean yeah of course uh prefer those of you that aren't familiar with kw kitchener waterloo ontario outside of toronto um brookfield <laughs> was the local hack golf course i guess you could call it it was like a par 28 or some shit. And there's one. There's one in the jar, Darren. I mean, I feel pretty proud. That was the first time I ever broke 70. True. But then you realize the course's par is like 67, so. I don't even think it's 67, is it? Darren, I'm going to write this it down is. so we so we know when we curse. Red so. gold. Yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. Put it in the swear jar. I mean, honestly, though, the best like, part about this that we're going to run off, especially with Scramble Squad and the concept, is this. It was so nice because it wasn't the same four people that we had going on. 
it was like an interchangeable way to do it, right? So, so honestly, a, a scramble squad, pardon me, by definition, it's been a group of friends that you just can fire up on course and go low. So for the listeners out there, the benefits of firing up the scramble squad is honestly endless in my opinion. For all golfers, really, because you get to learn the game. If you're not so good, you take the frustrating part of hitting every shot out. You have the opportunity to actually feel good about the score that you put on the card. If you're very into, you know, measures and numbers and keeping track. So really the one question that I have for every golfer who's listening is who doesn't love a game of scramble darren did you just create the webster definition of scramble squad was that uh, is that your homie I... the first the first part of that you're like the def- definition of scramble squad did you just define scramble squad hell yeah I did. okay yeah, I did. well you gotta copyright that shit i don't know what you gotta do trademark do something that's your definition you get credit scramble squad tm <laughs> I, I feel like we should probably get into this because uh, we have been talking about Scramble Squad for 10 minutes. I get it's a pilot episode. We got to introduce ourselves, that type of shit. But I'm sure they'll get to know us as we go on, as we discuss, mm-hmm. as we debate. Um, we uh, The episode plan today is fairly light, uh, fairly easygoing, just kind of treading water a little bit before we dive deep into some shit that might split us make us angry that type of stuff we're going easy free-flowing today so we're always going to begin our show with a quick recap of the previous week on tour um and obviously that was the american express in la quinta california mm-hmm. tournament is Dual obviously highlighted course. between three courses but it's highlighted by pga west die stadium course uh which die has described as the worst piece of land he has ever built a golf course as it truly had no natural features and was completely flat it's now home to i'm sure Dar- one of darren's favorite holes alcatraz yeah. is that one of your favorite holes darren one of them honestly that entire shape of the golf course as much as he says that he hates it i, I think he did a phenomenal oh, job he, i love that course he hated the land that started it was no, like I a know. fresh yeah. yeah i mean the the mountain backdrop is something you can't really complain about that is is gorgeous but what i don't understand is when you have like no obstacles in your way okay Mm -hmm. the ability to uh, obviously they don't get me wrong like with natural landscape i'm not a golf designer so i don't know but with natural designers right obviously they're using what's around them and then kind of digging in and out kind of moving things around but with a flat land, you get to dig, but place. Like, you can make yeah. and manipulate the land around you. That's it's a lot so of room sick. for creativity. That's yeah. Sure. Now, I do think, like, when you see Core Crenshaw and Tom Doak's designs, you see that they use the natural terrain, like the golf course. When they're finished with the golf course, it almost looks like the course was there, and they just it just popped up right magically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just always sitting there, just waiting to be used. Um, obviously, so touching on Alcatraz, if for those of you that don't know, it is 17th hole at the, at the Die Stadium course. 
and it's an island green from 165 yards, slightly elevated. Um, but what the thought behind it was, he wanted to create the 17th from Sawgrass in California. And obviously had to be a little different, so he put the rocks instead of the railroad track things um, in place. But, Darren, do you have a preference? What do you like watching more, Alcatraz or 17 of Sawgrass? I prefer Alcatraz, really. Like, natural yeah. landscape, because, again, not knowing that... See, I thought that water body plus the rocks were already kind of, like, built into the landscape but there you go there's there's just creativity in its in itself but in my opinion i prefer alcatraz that much more than i do sawgrass don't get me wrong sawgrass is one of if not the pinnacle of par threes as far as island greens go I mean, who doesn't yeah. want to go play it? It's like Augusta. Who doesn't want to go play that? Hold on, hold on. It's not like Augusta. Okay. <laughs> okay, maybe to the, like a casual golf fan, like they think, oh my god, 17, that would be amazing to play. And oh, okay, yeah, it is. Yeah. But 17, I'm not gonna lie, it's a bit gimmicky with the island green. Um 17, I uh, the stadium course, they're both stadium courses. The Die Stadium course in at, TB, at PGA West. That's a friggin' long-winded course type name, but it is what it is. I like it too, just because you have the mountain backdrop, slightly elevated. Mm. It looks a bit more, it just, I don't know, the setting around it is a little bit better. But, yeah. I, I mean, I'd rather play 17 at Sawgrass just because of how famous it is and everything. Um but yeah, I mean, we're gonna be talking a lot about courses going forward. <laughs> but the I, I think the Sawgrass to Augusta comparison is a little scary. So we will talk. We'll bring that up later, Darren. We can debate this all day. Um, I'm talking about its celebrity stuff. Okay, not okay, so fair. much the playability. Which it is. You said right. it. You said it right there. My bad. It, I'd play 17 Sawgrass over 17 at West. Yeah, because. It's more famous. It's yes. like, that shouldn't be the case. It should be yeah. what, like, what is most naturally beautiful to you and what really suits your eye more. Yeah, fair. Also, the green complex at Sawgrass is really nice, too. That's a good green complex. That's very true. There we go. Now we're there we go. There. We got something. <laughs> okay, so the, the Augusta Sawgrass comparison, I misinterpreted. <laughs> We're not, we're, he's not saying that it's better than that. Uh, it's fine. Um, okay, but anyways, a quick recap of the week has turned into only talking about courses, and I feel like this is going to happen a lot. Yeah, well, but, we'll get off the rails, 100%. Back already, to the we recap. put that in the front. Oh, I have one more thing to say about just the die course at PGA West. Okay. So 20-foot deep bunkers also are home there. Die told a dude... Who was digging told him to dig until he hit water because he wanted a bunker and he was like how do you do on this bunker he said dig till you hit water he dug 22 feet down struck water and then filled it in at 20 feet so there's a 20 foot bunker just the worst bunker in the world it's got to be like could you do you think you could get it out of a 20 foot greenside bunker darren 
No. I mean, being modest, if I had a 64 degree... 64 degree wedge and a bucket of range balls and like <laughs> one might pop out eventually <laughs> one might yeah fuck yeah. uh you know what i think it also depends on we're talking about the one that's in the par five that's beside the that massive massive yeah 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 it's i love that hole on that course and honestly i think it depends on like i said if you're trying to hit the green and it falls off it's almost nearly impossible to hit the green from yeah. that bunker. But if you hit a layup that snap hooks into that, which would more than likely not be me in those circumstances. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like I definitely... Yeah. Go ahead. I feel like the law of physics on a snap hook don't allow that to go in the bunker just because of how how much higher the, the land is. I feel like you mm. go into the water on the other side. Like I feel like it's just so much, so little room to actually get into that bunker on a fl- yeah. on a ball flight that isn't way up. You yeah, know? yeah. I don't know. Did you watch Did any just... this week? Uh a little bit, little bits and pieces. Okay. So you did you see the man that won Hots, Hudson Swafford won his second time there, and his third total on tour. But the coolest I think part he owns that course. I think he owns that course. Yeah, like, it's just like John Rom, John Rom owns Tory Pines. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm sure we'll be talking about that in a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, but we the will. coolest part of this Hudson Swafford win before we get into the next thing, because honestly, I don't know about you, but the Tory Pines tournament, Farmers Insurance, really feels like the the beginning of the season to me. The Hawaii leg, okay, it's like spring training. And then this one right here, there's not many people in the field that you really care about. But mm-hmm. Torrey Pines, that's when all the big guys come. Anyways, yeah. the coolest part to me of that of Hudson Swafford's win was it was the biggest Sunday performance to seal a victory in the past two seasons. Mm. Jesus. What do you plus, make up? Plus three... 0.82 strokes gained on the field. That's the most in two years. The second was another crazy victory from Patrick Cantley at 3.79 at the 2021 BMW Championship. Yeah. Now, that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. That's a charge on Sunday if I've ever heard of one. It's not bad. Not bad at all. Um, I mean, this is the first episode, so I think we also should do a quick recap on the season so far, the the quote unquote season, and then the PNC Championship, of course. <laughs> the spring uh, Tiger and episodes. Charlie. I mean, this one has been beaten into the ground. Like, who hasn't been talking about Tyler, Tiger and Charlie? I can't speak English. Tiger English, Tiger and Charlie. Darren, I feel like you have some stuff to say about the PNC Championship, so I'm gonna let you just hit it. Or did I, I put you on the spot? It. Do you not have anything? <laughs> oh, no, you're good. I mean, honestly, like I said, I think people had the biggest biggest chub for that event I've ever seen. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, the moment anybody brings the name Tiger Woods into viewing golf, it's just a completely different atmosphere. and It's a completely different mindset. It's like the moment Tiger's in a championship – all all eyes on him like must see tv and i mean that was definitely apparent for the ratings because i think it was shot like 
50% if I'm not wrong. Something like that from the previous year. The exact figure was 53%. Ah, there we go. Up 53% from the previous year. And he smashed average televising as far as the PGA Tour goes for this championship. On On a a Sunday. Sunday. On a Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is that? Well, don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's just like when when Tiger won the Masters at Augusta, taking all that time off and then jumping right back in. Yeah. Having an eight-month hiatus from Tiger Woods to the golf world feels like it's the longest time. Well, I can't wait to see what it looks like when he's not even playing, man. The craziest part to me is up 53% from last season, mm-hmm. but... Tiger and Charlie also played in that tournament last year. Yeah. Now, obviously, this was all because of the the injury that occurred in the car accident and mm. the comeback. I, I had a hard time watching that tournament because he looked like he was dying in pain every time he swung. Um, but obviously, people love comeback stories, and Tiger Woods... Tiger Woods comeback story that is the greatest comeback story dare I say in sports but maybe not in sports but definitely (laughs) in the PGA for sure and you know what I think really drew Tiger to actually play that well is the fact that his son was playing lights out like his son was so good hell yeah he carried I mean that he did which is (laughs) could you imagine carrying Tiger Woods can you? How does it make you feel that we watch a kid, a child, a young child that's better than us? <laughs> it's better than all. Oh. Okay, I played on a junior tour okay. for a little bit. Yeah. And there were, just to put this into perspective, okay, I played on a junior tour where an age group of under four years of mine, some 16, 12-year-olds, okay, on the same golf courses that I was playing on, we're shooting six to eight strokes better than I was between <laughs> the winner and myself. So, um, is it is it achievable? Do I think it's really that crazy? No, no, I don't. I guess if you have the money to hire a swing coach at three years old, that's a whole other story about golf. <laughs> like, um, let's let's just die like dive right into it. Like, honestly, he's Tiger Woods's son. Are you yes. telling me right now that he has the choice of not being good at golf? And the, just the the genetics too. He's got the genetic makeup to win majors and shit. Oh so, my god, it's, it's fine. It's like Bronny James. Do you think Bronny James isn't gonna make the NBA? Like no, the amount of pull that LeBron has just to put his son in the NBA is borderline obscene. I bet you the PGA Tour, the moment they realized that Tiger Woods had a kid, was like, all right, here's a here's a shoe deal and a contract. Yeah. <laughs> Like, for your unborn son, here you go. You know what's the craziest part of this is they know, they just know that this man is going to bring crazy ratings when he's in 10 years. It's not going to matter. He's going to be, if he doesn't turn out to be, he obviously is not going to be as good as his dad. Mm, Nope. But if he turns out to be like almost a scratch golfer, he's still going to get his exemptions and shit. Just because oh, yeah. those ratings with him in the field would probably go way up. Way and, up. I mean, obviously, you want to watch Charlie Woods. I want to watch Charlie Woods. 
it's crazy. What I, uh, the fun thing about the PG, I mean the PNC Championship is is really not about the winners. It's about who's playing, like yeah. who's playing with who. Justin Thomas and his dad, John Daly and his son, out there probably both hacking darts and <laughs> just shotgunning beers and l- having some wild ass. 70s rock music playing. That was pretty cool. Committed to Arkansas, John Daly Jr. What a fucking name, too, might I Oh, oh, swear one. jar. 1-1. One, one. <laughs> We're done. I mean, what an emphasis, though. The kid's name. I, I love when dads name their sons their same name and just add junior. You're like, you couldn't have come up with anything else clever, <laughs> like, across the board. I'm sorry. I've like, so many dads. I apologize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is where they untune. They're like, this guy's an absolute meathead. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Cancel culture podcast. Done. <laughs> Don't even make it past the pilot. No, but I agree. Honestly, I agree. honestly, it's lazy. yeah, it's, it's a lazy name. It's a lazy way to name. <laughs> or it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, what's the best name? What's the best name for my son? How about mine? <laughs> like, the like ego, the ego that has to go yeah. into that is just like, I'm such a good person. I had the best name. I'm gonna name my son my name because he's my legacy. It's like, he's bro. Le- oh man, you like put gel. too much. You put you have too much ego and what comes out of your body, but it's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, hey, have you seen John John Daly at Hooters when he's on the practice screen hitting putts from like twenty feet, <laughs> holding on with the darty and I a get it. Cigar, okay. like a cigar? I mean, and if you're John Daly, yeah, you can name your junior because you're somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oh. you know the funniest thing they were talking about over the weekend to me it wasn't even the whole Tiger Charlie thing. It was that no. last year when. John Daly Jr. was there and stuff. He was okay with being Little John, whatever. They kept calling him Little John. But they were like, this year, they were like, the whole story was he wants his own identity. He wants his own identity. But his own identity was JD2 instead of Little John. And it was just like, bro, you're the second John now. It's still his identity. But it's fine. It's fine. Congrats to them for winning. Should we continue on, Darren? (laughs) He's like... Don't compare me to my dad, but it's kind of hard not to because they share the same name. <laughs> All right, oh, moving along before we stir up, stir it up a little bit too much. Uh, let's move to Hawaii, starting at the Century Tournament like of right Champions now? in Maui. Let's go to Hawaii. Let's just go to like, Hawaii, Darren. Like right yeah, now. I'm down. Okay. What's the housing prices look like? What's the market look like? Not good. It's bad. And you're gonna get killed by volcano eruption. It's fine though. Uh, I'll risk it. Worth it. If it Cam means Smith. three six five time opportunity to golf, sign me Absolutely. up. Uh, I. They don't like the golf in there. The like the. What? The indigenous people of Hawaii. Golfing is an ethical dilemma in in Hawaii of all places. <laughs> anyway, that makes that makes argument. sense though. Yes. No, that makes sense because obviously you don't want to tear up the amount of the amount of land that you have to tear up to build golf courses. Yeah. And then yeah, no, I totally get that. I, I, I do wonder. I also wonder, like, Hawaii has 
great courses of course but they don't have mm-hmm. any courses that are true like true true stand up standouts like they're nice courses with amazing scenery and backdrops i do wonder how difficult the land is there because i feel like it must be really rocky i don't know yeah um i mean i'd love to go golfing in hawaii i don't have 500 dollars for a round of golf but i'm down to go golfing in hawaii so let's do that um but let's start in maui where cameron smith Shot 34 under par. Absolutely insane. Is that a, That's a tour record, I believe, right? Yeah, it was. Three guys had a tour record, and two of them didn't even win the tournament. Yep. 30 under par, and Cameron Smith led with 34 under par. How do you feel about low scores like this? Does this take away from the game for you, or is it like, wow, this is awesome. I love watching birdies all day. I think the nice part, and I read a little article on this about the plantation course in specific, especially when a professional goes to play, you know, your your local resort course or your high-end resort course, how much of a must-see TV it is. The reason why I say that is because who doesn't like seeing birdies? It's like baseball when everybody's into the home runs. It's like have, have home runs glorified you know, baseball to the, to the aspect of the game. So if that's what we're talking about, in my opinion, the lower the scores and the, the further away from par you get, especially like 30 some under par. Yeah. It absolutely, in my opinion, ruins the game of golf. It's like these guys aren't even challenged and they're supposed to be like, there's no way you Mm -hmm. can't tell me that they can't make that golf course hard for, for the PGA tour pros. Now, what that would mean is reshaping the course, reconfiguring shots to make them a lot challenging, a lot more challenging, pardon me. But when it comes to TV ratings, a course like the one that they just played on, the plantation course, it is quite literally set up for TV. You get to watch guys hit ridiculous draw shots from 600 and some yard par fives hole hold them into hit greens and ridiculous shots it's just one of those golf courses that are set up for tv and the low scores are indicative of that narrative in my opinion mm-hmm. now i'm trying to history now i'm trying to see when the course actually was built okay because I know it's an, a very old course. I just... It, it hasn't really stood the test of time. The plantation course. To yeah. me. I I like the comparison with the home runs and stuff. Like, home runs to me are slightly different. Okay. Because birdie after birdie... How many golfers do you know that are shooting under par? Outside of the PGA Tour. I feel like when the course is completely dominated the way that course was dominated, it takes all, it takes the course out of play. Like the course isn't even a factor at this point. The hazards that were put on this golf course were non-existent. They did not affect any golfer in that field, except if you were snap hooky and are having the worst day of your life. Everybody's having a good day. It didn't matter. The thing about baseball with me is it doesn't change. 
right? Like, you know yeah. what you're getting day in and day out. That course, to me, just did not play difficult enough for the two or pro. And it's fine. They can have these low rounds like this. Maybe it's the exception. For me, I love watching the U.S. Open because I like watching golfers get punished. Like, I, it makes me feel better about my game. It just, I love seeing golfers get truly challenged buy the golf course, see the best in the world. They shouldn't just have a field day every time they get out there, in my opinion. But it's fine. People love low yeah. scores. I'm sure it's it's cool. Um I watched I didn't watch any of that tournament. I just saw the scores and I was like, oh my God, what the hell? Uh the Sony Open in Honolulu, the other island, was I watched the final two rounds of that and I was very impressed by the golf. Uh the course yeah. was immaculate great days going on there and one of the most wild comebacks i see i've seen i'm surprised the strokes gained was not quite up there with uh this one with yeah uh, i honestly hudson's but uh hideki mats matsuyama won in a playoff over russell henley did you watch this one yeah i did and that was that was something else especially since the front nine that Russell Henley was putting on that he was putting on a ball striking clinic. I think he mm. averaged like under seven feet from 175 yards over five holes of this, of the, of the front nine that he played. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. Like astronomically absurd numbers. Like quite honestly, the front nine, I don't think he could have played I, like you couldn't even picture perfect golf. You couldn't even have drew it up better if you tried. Yeah. And then for Hideki to literally weather the storm at that front, mm-hmm. and still, what was it, a five shot or four shot comeback on the tenth nine tee? Holes? On the tenth yeah. tee, Hideki was five strokes back. Oh my god! Like that's that's the beauty part about golf. Okay, that's my favorite thing about it is like when you talk about one person making a mistake and then one person capitalizing on it two stroke difference and one hole two holes can literally mean a tournament for some of these guys and it's crazy because i've actually seen time and time again especially with this but man that playoff though that Mm. hole bro the greatest shot so, yeah. do you know that hole, specifically, is the hardest fairway to hit in on tour? Off the did tee. you see what he did off yeah. the tee block? Where he had it teed? Yeah. Like, directly behind the block? Like, it yeah. looked like it should have hit? Yeah. I, One, oh, it totally should have. Could like, you have I, ever played from there? <laughs> I mean... I, <laughs> If I did, I definitely wouldn't be concerned as to where the ball is going. I'd be like, okay, I gotta need to get it over the marker. That'd be the only thing I'd be oh thinking of. Oh my god. Okay, so for those of you that didn't actually see that playoff, to see what we're talking about, just Google Hideki Matsuyama playoff, and it, I've, I'm sure you'll find where his ball was teed. <laughs> it was. It literally looked like. Obviously, it was probably slightly deceiving from the camera, but it yeah. looked like he was. A foot back, directly behind the T block. Directly, his ball was directly behind the T block. Like it should have yeah. hit, yeah, the damn block. But I mean, it's whatever. 
Uh, Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine must-see TV? PGA playoff. Hideki drills it off of the T-block, and it comes back and hits somebody in the stands. Could you, that would be the best <laughs> golf moment ever. Like that would, They need that. Yeah. PGA was hoping the ratings. Boom. Skyrocket. Yeah, boom. But Hideki shot a 31 on the back nine to force that playoff. Craziness. Do you see his mm. three-wood into the green? 275 yards from the fairway. You know what? I'm not even impressed. Puts it within five feet. I'm not even impressed by the distance. Into the sun. Into the sun. That's, you didn't even see that's it. the part that I'm impressed of. But that's also like, okay, tell me right now. Don't like I'm not gonna downplay his shot at all. Cause that was disgusting and on the PGA tour, if you're running top ten golf shots of the year, that's already in the calendar vote. 100%. Like an that, early contender for sure. An early contender for sure. Like 100%. But honestly, speaking of yeah. just like personal per like from from personal how many experience. times experience, yeah, I guess that's the word I'm looking there you for. Go. Thank you. <laughs> personal experience or like personal interest. I love blind shots, okay? When you tell me I can't see the pin, and this is where I'm guessing. He could see the pin. He just couldn't see it when it got in the air. He couldn't see where it got in the air. Yeah, I guess like I guess what I'm saying is when you have the ability to just focus on, and this is, this is what the professionals do, okay? And I think this is a tour secret that, you know, if you haven't kind of dug into it yet while you're out playing, take it right now, is just seeing the shot. And just hitting it. So not really concerned about what the golf course is doing around you. And just hitting the golf shot that you need to do. So Hideki saw from 270 a high fade. And I guarantee you the moment he hit it. Like into the sun he's like. I, I hit a high fade. And that's that's exactly what happened. Stuck it to five feet. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's like. It's one of those things where I guess to, to really go where I'm going with this is sometimes when you can't see or when you have blind shots it takes away the pressure because you just focus on hitting the golf shot and the shape that you think you need to hit and if it's right which in my opinion nine times out of ten it is the result is what you what we just saw absolutely yeah um another thing in that tournament you already touched on it was russell henley's proximity Mm -hmm. to the hole let's dive into hole proximity indicators and golf efficiency indicators for that matter yeah because that that all came crashing down on the back nine for russell henley and his putting could not make up for it his wedge game could not make up for the whole proximity issue that he was having through the back nine now Mm -hmm. Darren is a huge advocate for hole proximity as the best indicator for golf efficient for golf efficiency. Um, but let's talk more about those indicators, Darren. What you got? So I guess my question is: Are we talking golf efficiency indicators from a business standpoint or player efficiency standpoint? What do you mean from a what? What do you mean a business standpoint? What are you talking about? I looked up I looked up Google go, like golf efficiency indicators. And it kept uh, it kept popping up as business solutions, not not performance metrics. I was like, uh, "Thanks Google, but not what I'm looking for." No, um, some of the so performance indicators that'll help you win. When I dove into them 
personally, because I love the idea of figuring out where I can grow the game for myself and how I can get better. And I'd like to look at the PGA stats and kind of see what metrics they have that make winners each each week stand out. And, you know, for the majority of people, you'd think putting up there is high on the list, but it's actually not. Stroke game putting was about 67th on their list as far as indications as to whether you were going to win a tournament. So the importance of winning. Putting was 67th. Hold on, hold on. 67th. What, the hell, what more to the game are there? I feel like there's. it should be like a top 10 list. Yeah, so that's the thing, though, is, like, if you go to the PGATour.com, you check out their stats, They, I think they have over 200 categories Ooh. that actually fit, right? So what the biggest thing that you're going to talk about, and for anybody who wants to dive into this, is please check this out. Go to when Phil Mickelson and David Faraday have their interview and listen to... Phil talk about the conditions of a golf ball when you hit it in certain types of grass hmm. <laughs> and certain types of it's literally just a one minute clip that you could probably find on on the internet it is obscene some of the detail that these guys have but one of the most important categories and again I think this comes down to it maybe not at, at your local munis because the grass are all the same but for these guys a fairway hit is like a couple fairways here and there is going to determine their fate of the tournament moreover than the amount of putts they make. Mm -hmm. And the, the biggest thing for me, okay. And why I love, you know, and actually think and agreed with the number one statistic on the PGA tour for, for winning tournaments anyways, was proximity to pin is because at the end of the day, if you can flush your iron shot and have it floating in at 5, 10 feet almost every time you hit a putt, mm -hmm. the likelihood of it going in, especially at the tour level, like if you're asking a, a, a tour professional to jar a 10-footer, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm pretty sure like 6 out of 10 times that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I think it's like I think it's upwards of like 50-40%. And then the make yeah. percentage from... 20 to 30 is like two or three yeah so basically so it's like good so go ahead basically dialing in those irons is the key to success but then you take yeah. it back another notch it's like if you don't hit the fairways and you can't dial in your your whole thing so it's a combination from tee to green to in order because if you miss a fairway your whole proximity drops probably like 80 percent something like that so yeah is a whole combination of things, and it's not necessarily putting as a no, factor. No, so the tee, the, the tee to green was actually fifth on their list of a performance metrics. Now, driving distance apparently was up there because, mm. again, giving yourself the opportunity to hit a shorter club is going to give you, in mm -hmm. correlation, more control. more control and a better proximity to pin. That's what that means at the end of the day, but... I mean, so hit the weights, hit the weights. No, I mean, like, don't get too focused with how far you can hit the ball, especially since we don't have to be forced into playing 7,300 yards or 7,500 or 7,800 yards or 7,800 7, like, yards. You Aaron pick Hills. your tees, 
Pick your tees. Like, make it enjoyable. If you yeah. don't have the ball far, don't worry about it. Take like, your handicap no... yeah. and move to the back tees and see yep. what your handicap actually is. Just See what it is. It'll just to depress yourself. You know what? I'm not going to lie, though. I don't know about you, but every time I go play short golf courses, now, granted, good golfers would be like, dude, shut up. Like, this guy's off his rocker. But, like, I actually find that backing up and actually being able to hit full shots with certain golf clubs makes the golf course easier than actually having okay, too much. Okay, yeah, but a short course, what are you talking? How, like, how many yards? Give or t- I guess what I'm saying is, like, the comparison for me from hitting, like, we'll say from a black tee that's playing 68 to 7,000 to a golf course, like, even the same one jumping to blues or whites where you're playing 62 to 64. Mm-hmm. For me, a lot of par fours and a lot of par fives, honestly, get a little trickier whenever I try to grab driver because it puts a lot of the hazard actually closer to me. And I'm hitting the golf ball out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a th- golf courses are built to play to your yardage. That's yeah. the thing. Like a good golf course is built to so whatever tees you you have to play the correct tees because then you put the yard the the hazards in your range. You put them mm-hmm. in your play, right? Like that's part of it. So I mean, if you're hitting all the fairway hazards, you're playing the right tees. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've that's what I've learned over the years. If that's I hit a fairway nice. bunker, um, if I reach fairway bunkers, I'm proud of myself. Because okay. that means I'm do I'm I'm correct. I'm playing where I should be playing from. It hurts, but it's what it's supposed to be. Meant to be. Fair um, enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean anything more we need to talk about there or should we move on? I think we should move on. Alright. Well Hideki Matsuyama and Cameron Smith were your winners in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, that was whole the whole conversation basis, <laughs> and we got away from it, but it's fine. It's oh, you good. Bet we did. Now, for those of you who don't dive into the PGA Tour action, don't worry. We're not gonna spend every episode hours on end talking about that. One thing we both love about golf is a dy- dynamic range of different tracks that we can play on, and that's what's keeping it. That's what keeps the game fresh and exciting. And I don't know about you, Darren, but I play golf to experience the golf course. Mm. And we recently did a pair of blogs talking about golf destinations and then ranking those destinations. So what we did was create a list of ten destinations centered around one particular signature course at the specific destination and ask the reader which destination they would choose. So I'll list the course options before we talk. So the course options were from starting to the west coast of America and sweeping all the way east around the world, starting in Pacific Dunes and the courses at Bandon Dunes Resort in Bandon, Oregon, and then Pebble Beach Golf Links and surrounding courses, including, including, one that you wouldn't get in your regular Pebble Beach package because it's too exclusive. <laughs> Cypress Point in Pebble Beach, California. And if you're like 99% of the world, you don't even get a Pebble Beach package. No. You can't afford a $500 round of golf. It's fine. No. Neither can we. And we can <laughs> always be jealous of the 1%. Mm-hmm. 
That's a fact. Number three. This isn't a ranking, by the way. I just said number three because it's third. Augusta National, which stands on its own. You don't need to play any other courses. It's fine. It's just Augusta. Uh, Pinehurst, number two, and then the and the Carolina Sandhills. Plenty to choose from in North Carolina. I know Darren would love to play Tobacco Road. Damn right. Um, crazy. Mike Strance. Absolutely. Two Mike Strance's course in the Sandhills. Well, one's outside of the Sandhills, but I'm still counting it. Tot Hill Farms. Um, mm. The next one, Teeth of the Dog in Dominican Republic. Maybe it doesn't compete as a course, but as a destination, I mean, it's it's an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean. Like, what are you going to do? It's fine. It belongs. <laughs> uh, Cabot Cliffs and Cabot Links in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, east coast of Canada, for those of you that don't know. Um, I mean, for those of you that like golf and aren't familiar with Canada, I do think you know where Cabot Cliffs is because it really put Canadian golf truly on the map. Um, next, Royal County Down and surrounding courses in Northern Ireland. Woo, that's a good one. St. Andrew's Old Course, as well as uh, six other courses to choose from on property. And now we're getting wild, going way out. Barnboogle Dunes and Barnboogle Lost Farm in Tasmania with all the snakes, tiger snakes, that kind of shit that will kill you if you get into a bunker or if you go into the fescue. If you go into the fescue, do not go in. You'll die, a hundred percent. There's no way, hospital. Is that? And then we're going further out. <laughs> oh my god! Finally, in the northern part of the North Island, in New Zealand, it's Terra Iti. Soon to be joined mm-hmm. by the two courses at Terra, which are sure to be ranked inside the top 100 as well. So those are your 10 options, Darren. What is your pick? Oh, 100% Terra Edie. Oh, you jumping sure. on the Terra Edie bandwagon? I swear to God, you picked like five different courses in the past two weeks. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so you're feeling at this at this exact moment, you're feeling Terra Edie. Because I thought you were Barn Boogle at one point. Honestly, when we were doing the podcast or the, the kind of trailer the for... Trailer. And even yeah. when we were just like jumped it on shape by sports, shout out to our uh, parent company BT Dubs, um, Barn Boogle was definitely up there on my list. But after actually watching a bunch of the golf vlogs as well as the hole by hole, mm. bro, the attention to detail from hole to hole, the layout, the picturesque views, honestly, from anywhere, Terra Edie is just like. I literally looked at that and went, okay, when can I get a plane ticket? When can I go? How soon is this viable? Like, honestly, I'd be, I'd be just ecstatic to set foot on the damn place, let alone golf it. Yeah. Now, did I perhaps sway you in that direction or did you come to this on your own? I think you, like, I think you definitely did. Like th- you definitely had some good external factors, and I think if uh, if I am going, you're coming with me. <laughs> that's Absolutely. the move. Yes. We're doing a course. We'll have to do a course vlog on Terra Edie for for the for the Scramble Squad. But mm-hmm. um, honestly, that your take on that golf course definitely did put that little probe to think about the golf course a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it. 
well, it's it's something else. For those of you that aren't familiar with Terra Edie, um, it is one of the, it is a very exclusive course, but but with a recommendation letter from your home course. Unfortunately, Darren and I are public golfers, so I, I I'll get my I I work at a golf course. I'll get my superintendent to write me a letter and write Darren a letter. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Um, everyone has opportunity to play that course one time in their life. Um, to me, Terra Edie is my favorite course in the world, but I think it is going to be a top five course in the entire world if you give it more time. It has broken top ten officially now. And I believe it's sitting at number nine. But this is a course that opened in 2015 in the northern part of New Zealand. And it is absolutely spectacular. This course, to me, this is, this, it was all just built on sand dunes. But all it looks like is they threw grass and turf on the sand. And the natural waves of the sand shaped the golf course. And it's just incredible. There's not like a, maybe there is like 17 might be a signature hole. Hole number five, hole number six. There are so many holes yeah. at that course that are just like unbelievable, but they don't have a true signature. Um, on our Instagram, so counting down to our release, our launch of this uh, podcast, we were counting five different courses, signature holes, like a dream hole from five different Shape by Sports contributors. Uh, if you check Tuesdays, which is our today, but your yesterday. <laughs> your yesterday's <laughs> course if you check yesterday's post on our instagram scramble squad pod you'll find terry Edie. it was my pick i picked 17 because 17 you'll find a lot of pictures for and i just felt like why not go with the part three theme that we've somehow been following this entire time um but yeah it's an incredible course check that shit out darren do you have an alternative pick as well What's your number two? Do you have a number two? My number two would be Barn Boogle in there. So we're hitting Australia and we're hitting New Zealand yeah. all in the same trip. Okay. One hundred percent. Like okay. how can you not? I think like taking advantage. Don't worry, we're gonna go off the board with something else. And actually I'm looking forward to what they send us because when we do the one out in Asia, guys, you better tune in for that because Lenny Lenny reached out to uh to a few places and they got some some special things coming our way that we're looking forward to so definitely stay tuned to when we drop those episodes which should be i believe in the up and coming weeks if we're going to start talking about the asia golf courses because yeah we will I, absolutely well there's one where... post yes mm. your okay, dream course we can actually talk about that because darren's dream hole was number five on bona hill's course i don't know what it's actually yeah. called in bona uh, hill's golf club in Vietnam, and yeah. I didn't know about this course. And Darren's pick, it'll be on our Instagram. They sent us a picture. It wasn't. I wasn't very impressed with the picture they sent me of the hole, to be honest, because I uh, know there's nicer pictures of that hole. So I'm okay. gonna have to try to go off the board and find other pictures of that hole. But tough. Darren picked a double dog leg, 700 yard par five, and I was like, <laughs> what? So, but it is a gorgeous hole. The coolest part to me about the Bonnet Hills is the fact that it is all lit up. It's a long-ass course lit up for night golf. And I got to say, man, like, looking at that, night golf looks way better than day golf. Like, I just, I feel like every court, course just light it up. 
Well, like, that's the thing. What a lot of people, and for the older audiences who tune into this, probably know where those floodlights came from, right? So in the Vietnam War, this is those were used for that, right? We're talking the highest point in Vietnam, in Bona Hills. And to build a, a golf course at the base of the mountain, it, it's like, it's honestly the most spectacular thing I've I've seen. Like, you have to take a bloody gondola up the chair just to hit the base of this mountain so that you can golf too. Yes. Like, now, Darren, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Nah, I, I, I'm good, dive in. Now, Darren is a huge fan just of Vietnam. So, mm-hmm. Bonnet Hills, it, it didn't strike my radar. It's won a few awards. It has won a few awards. Um, best golf course in Asia by a couple companies that I'm not too familiar with. But it never it never cracked the Golf Digest Top 100. And I was really doing some research into why. And you don't get much representation of courses in Asia. A couple in South Africa, but none in Asia, really. Um, mm-hmm. And that is for... A very simplified reason and it's because the pga tour doesn't go there now if you look at like seos and stuff and what people are looking up those are the courses that typically make the top 100 because people pick courses based on how popular they are and how many clicks they'll get so the top 100 sometimes is flawed because it's not getting the representation from asia that you need and Bonnet Hills, I think Darren specifically loves the courses in Vietnam um, mm-hmm. and Thailand even. And, I mean, South Korea, whatever the South Cape courses. Now, mm-hmm. so we'll be doing some blogs about that. Darren will have a lot of input because he's more familiar than I am with those courses. Um, mm. But, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of amazing stuff out there we're sleeping on. Um, yeah, what else we got? Should we move, continue to move on, Darren, or do we want to spend more time on those courses? No, I think I think we'll just kind of leave it there and, sure. and see what's good. I, I, I mean, really we, do think that those blog posts coming in for, you know, again, a lot of courses out, out east that aren't represented due to the PGA Tour are not going there. Mm. And, I mean, honestly, I can't wait to I can't wait to write up those posts. Yeah. Now. So basically, we're right now we we're talking about a blog that we had already posted. Um, go to the website shapebysports.com. You can find more details, descriptions, and pictures on our website of the courses. It's two part. Uh, it's a good read. I enjoyed it, and it's not. I'm not being biased. I I may have written it, but I I'm objective here. Go read it. It's good. <laughs> Um, if you're into golf courses, we're going to really dive into golf courses because that's a huge part of the game, huge element. And we'll bring guests that work at different golf courses, that type of shit, have experience playing some of the best courses in the world, all that. Um, so with that being said, we'll continue on. Now, it's a very depressing time of the year right now. If you're like us, Darren lives in Calgary, Alberta. If you don't know Calgary, Alberta, it's cold as hell. And I live an hour <laughs> outside of Toronto, also cold but not cold as hell. We both have a few feet of snow right now. Golf is gone because I don't know about Darren in Ontario, but even indoor golf shut down. COVID, we're locked down. I don't yeah. know what happens in Alberta. It's kind of the wild west. They, I don't think they <laughs> shut down as hard as we did. No, I want to go golfing. It's super sad. You can't even go golfing right now, and mm. so all we have is jealousy. 
of those players that are able to continue golfing wherever they live where it's warm, where they don't have snow. Now, Darren, what do you do to stay fresh and keep your game in shape over these long winter months? I mean, I've always wanted to know if my swing changes year to year because I really don't swing that much in the winter. A lot of the time it's putting mats and indoor indoor greens. Um, but yeah, just to keep my game in tune, the number one thing for me is staying in the gym and stretching. Mm. Making sure that like I take the opportunity to actually grow in terms of flexibility and strength. Because I think that definitely helps me get better. Because if I get the opportunity to you know, work out, stretch, take care of my body during an off season, when it comes to the actual season of golf and, you know, I start to really ramp up the amount of times I play going from zero to, you know, four, five, six times a week, I'm actually giving my body the opportunity to not deteriorate as quick because I've been working out and staying in shape and doing the the little bit of habits or building blocks in the off season for um the actual season but as far as golf goes i hit the sims a couple times the benefit is working at golf town honestly for those of you who don't know the canadian retail store golf town check it out you can't the shitty version like. of pj superstore it's fine it is it's the canadian version <laughs> am of i gonna it, get you fired darren no no i mean I think everybody's entitled to their opinion. It, it's a fact, though. Canadian retail just isn't good in comparison <laughs> to the States. If you compare it, it's like... It, it's night and day, really, between yeah. the two. But it gives me the opportunity when things are slow. Now, this might get me fired. Um, <laughs> to swing. But it also does mean that, you know, on my half-hour breaks when I eat lunch and get done my food in, like, five minutes because... I need to learn how to not eat fast. Um, I get like 20 minutes in sim as long as there's not too many customers in the store. So, I mean, that's how I kind of stay on top of it. But for anybody who, like yourself, is kind of locked down, I think it comes down to just having carpet around you and a putting mat and working on the short game. And then from there, just staying with, with physical activity to keep your body loose. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Darren, I mean, mm-hmm. what hasn't been said, this is kind of like the Tiger Charlie thing, probably run into the ground. The stealth driver that everyone's talking about, the carbon wood. Mm. What has, is there anything more to say about that? Or are we are we over it already? The marketing powerhouse of TaylorMade. You hit that, um, you swung that club. I did. And you know what? Um, so what I'm really interested in is what this tech, and I've, I've talked to a bunch of people at my work about this, is what that tech is going to do later on down the road for the consumer. So what a lot of people don't know with the type of material, and my boss brought up a good point when I brought it up, but I mean, I don't think that, you know, tailor-made advertising that it'll break conforming rules for drivers is something that they want to they want to advertise but what a lot of people don't realize between like the difference between titanium and carbon is as you start to kind of build 
off of titanium as far as every driver that you'll see in the market. The face itself, when you hit it, just kind of bends in and it deadens. So what the saying for me anyways is the hottest out of the wrapper. So the moment you pull that driver out, it is going to be designed to hit the furthest right when you hit it at its first impact. With carbon fiber, it actually breaks and gets thinner as you end up hitting it. So what that means is you actually need a break in time on that driver face. So to jump really into your point, Isaac, from hitting it the first couple of times, I really didn't see any difference at all. If I'm being honest, actually, the numbers were actually a little less than what I usually get out of my driver, which is kind of funny because it's like nine, ten years old. But mm. what I'm really interested to see is what this driver does into the 1,000th and 2,000th swings. Because if what I'm saying is right, and I do from my prior knowledge of what carbon fiber does in reacting to impact does, is if it thins out and does what I think it's going to do, people who buy this driver are going to see huge distance gains the further down the line they purchase from their purchase. As well, they're going to see some crazy distance coming off of this driver into its longer lifetime. So are we thinking that this is a durable driver? More durable than a regular titanium driver? I mean, I think it is. Especially at the amount of use that people put. Now, you know what the nice part about this was? Because my boss was like, oh, but trying to tell somebody to get instant... Like, trying to tell somebody not to get instant results is going to be a little difficult because... I mean, that's kind of what they pumped, and believe me, stop me if I'm wrong. The moment you pick up something new, you want something to change like that, right? Well, yeah, but you also have to, like, it's like skate breaking its skates or breaking in a glove. It takes time. You gotta, you have to break it in, work it in, and make it comfortable. Like, it's not, to expect instant results is, dare I say, a stupid thing that people do. I mean, People do yeah. expect instant results, but it, that's not how that works. You're right. I do. I do. Honestly, when I start, I'm like, you I are have this expectation, Darren. I am. I am impatient. Yes. I think that's what it comes down to is the amount of patience that I have or that people have to, to get results. But you know what I'm really looking forward to is, like I said, if this is the case and this driver is going to do what I think it's going to do, it's going to force people to actually hit the range and use it mm-hmm. and get familiar with it. Which, yeah. yeah, now you might see some better golf because of it, because it's forcing people into uh, practicing more. Fair. I do have a concern with it, and that's what's up. Simply because they're the only ones doing it. Mm-hmm. It's been tried before by Callaway, a Big Bertha driver. I don't know what year it was, two thousands, long time ago, and mm-hmm. they switched back to titanium. So I don't know. For me, to me, like, I don't know. It's not going to be a drastic difference, obviously. There's rules and regulations put out by the USGA. Um, They have to, obviously, be within the limits. It's a huge marketing thing to me. I I think it's an incredible... They've done an incredible job selling this driver because everybody wants it. Everybody's talking about it. We're talking about it. I'm not always on equipment, like, crazy like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know, 
Actually, you know what? I'm going to bring this up real quick because it, this is a funny thing to me that Darren has done in his life. <laughs> Darren switched from... Sorry, what kind of irons did you did you have? T200s. Darren had titles T200 irons. Top of the line, probably paid $1,800 for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Darren came home from Calgary once. And I and we went golfing. So when he came home from Calgary, I noticed in his bag, he had 1980s or 90s Max Fly irons. I was I just figured I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, he must have just left his. He must have just left his clubs at home, and it turns out he got rid of his T200s. And replace them with 1990s Maxfly irons. And he said, oh, they're great. They feel good. I love them. It, like they were an adequate replacement. He paid $70 for these for these irons. <laughs> Two weeks ago, he tells me he's buying shafts. They were $80 a piece. How much did you say he's spending on them? Like 500 bucks, 400 bucks? Retail. Yeah, three, uh, $300, $400 retail for these shafts. That he's about to put on $70 irons. Mm-hmm. He got rid of his T200s for $70 irons and is now putting tour grade shafts on his irons. And I am confused as hell, but whatever floats your boat, Darren. I don't know if you even need to have a defense there, but I feel like that is... I don't know if there needs to be more said about that. That's crazy. Darren is a crazy man. Um, my defense will bring up in another episode... Um, I will give you all of the metrics as well as all of the numbers, spin rates, everything that I did that caused me to do the change. And, uh, yeah, cause I feel like we could go for two mm-hmm. hours just on, I feel like I could go for a couple hours just on this topic. Believe me when I tell you. And the only reason why I'm doing a shaft change is because again, as I'm sure, you know, with $70 clubs off the shelf, you can't get fitted for. Yeah. So you're getting in your, uh, keeping your old heads and getting fitted for shafts. Exactly. So I fit myself yes. with some shafts that I think are going to do the best so. for me. And I'm uh, going to pop those into into these iron heads. Now, for those listening, this isn't like a $70 pair of retail, like brand new. This was, again, as Isaac mentioned, a pair of used pre-owned 1990 Max Fly Revolutions for anybody well, who wants to take. you can't get new 1990. No, you cannot get new Maxfly Revolutions, but yeah, they they were used, and believe me when I tell you, I think they were just sitting in someone's basement or garage, because they barely look scuffed. No one has like, used those since like 1995. No yeah. Now, okay. for me, the moral of the story for this for me is Darren has not had crazy different results between these Maxfly, and given he is a two handicap, so he has some credibility, he's a pretty solid golfer. He has not had a drastic difference between the T200s, and, as far as I know, and the Max Flies. To me, that's where I want to get to the stealth. Because Darren has hit in 1990 clubs after hitting tour grade irons from a couple years ago. And there isn't a drastic di- difference in his use. So I'm saying, this is not a game changer for a $799 driver... $1,200 if you want to customize it, essentially. Mm-hmm. It can get up to. Is it worth it? 
Probably not, because if you look at technology, technology. Look, if you if you care about a three yard increase, maybe, and maybe it's a little bit straighter for you, and that could be the huge thing. But if you're looking for distance, three yards isn't going to be that much. And to me, that's why I'm like, wait, get last year's model. Eventually, it'll all fizzle down. I'm always a second-hand yeah. golfer. It's just a couple of years on, I'll buy it on a clearance rack for if it's still good because it's good. As long as it's not used, I'm good. But Darren obviously has no problems with used clubs. Um, mm-hmm. Let's keep going. <laughs> let's move on to the Farmers Insurance Open this week at Torrey Pines. The unofficial beginning to the season and brings a solid field of players, perhaps the first solid field of players this season. Mm-hmm. John Rahm, who has won this, who won this tournament in 2017 and the U.S. Open at this course in 2021, is in the field and he absolutely owns this golf course. He is a heavy, 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 heavy favorite to win because he has nothing but success at Torrey Pines. Torrey Pines. Other notables, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, Bryson DeChambeau, Hideki Matsuyama, Jason Day, Sleeper, Brooks Kepka, Billy Horschel, Jordan Spieth, Phil Mickelson, and the return of Dustin Johnson. Safe to say, it is the strongest. Now, we the field will play one Bryson round apiece at... Sorry. No, I'm saying we definitely yes, do not bring we up will talk about. Name. We you will talk even, about why we dislike notable. Bryson DeChambeau Rocks. coming up. <laughs> okay, uh, Trevor Bauer of golf, but it's it, we'll get into Bryson DeChambeau eventually because we did mention that in the trailer. I forgot we were going to talk about that, but we'll talk about it next week. Uh, we'll talk about Bryson. We'll have a, like a Bryson exclusive episode. <laughs> oh, hey, lots of things to say about Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, the field will play one round apiece at South and the North Course. On Thursday and Friday, and then the final two rounds will be played exclusively at the easier South Course. The thing with John Rahm is he's actually had way he's had more success compared to the field at the North Course than at the South Course. The South mm. Course plays a little bit easier. The South Course is more friendly to a lot of other golfers, so it might be tighter than we thought. If this was exclusively at the North Course, it's John Rahm all day. Um, I like how they're doing the South course. It's a little bit, I think it's a better looking golf course. Honestly, it's not as challenging. So we're going to see more lower scores, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Torrey Pines along the coast of San Diego has to be regarded as one of the best, not the best, obviously one of the best municipal golf courses in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, how many municipal courses in Canada can you say are actually good? Like King's Forest and Hamilton, maybe one. There's not many municipal golf courses that are good. Eagles Nest. Now, Eagles Nest isn't municipal. Yes, it is. No, it's in Toronto. It's privately owned. Oh, got you. You need. Uh... A municipal course is like municipal. So this is Darren. Being I'm not talking about courses inside that... the city. This is oh, this is not being a course within realizing. a city. Yeah, we're not talking hold about on, hold public. On, hold on. Municipal is city-owned, correct? Yes. So hold on, yeah, there we Darren, go. Darren, 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 yeah. Darren. Are you putting Eagles right. Nest ahead of the other courses in Toronto then? Like St. George's, the number three course in Canada? Well, number four. Uh, Definitely not. 
Darren Givlin, buddy. Eagle's Nest. The coolest part of Eagle's Nest is they have a BMW car wash thing on site. Safe to say that's only for rich people and Darren, apparently. I remember Darren and I played this course that's like 300 bucks when you were like 19. We played as juniors because yeah. we could still get away with it and paid like 50 bucks, and it was fantastic. But anyways, 60 Tory buck Pines. junior twilight fee, might I add. Tory Pines, Darren, what are you looking forward to this week? What am I looking forward to? Yes. I think this will definitely be a better a better challenge for the guys coming off of um, Hawaii for a lot of guys who didn't go play this week's tournament, you know, coming from Hawaii where they had open space and, you know, large fairways to, to go into something that's averaging like 20, what, I think it's like 25-yard width fairways with long rough. Like, I know that they're not going to make this golf course all that challenging as they did to the u.s open when they had it there but at the same time if they have it anywhere to the caliper or close to i think a lot of guys are gonna are gonna be in for a little shock there which i'm looking forward to good i mean the golf course plays very long there yes like darren said Mm -hmm. it's not gonna play u.s open conditions thankfully for everybody involved because uh, it's our, it's a it's a course that holds up on its own regardless. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Torrey Pines. They have some of the best land in golf in and in, in California, mm-hmm. along San Diego, and it's just I don't know. It's a beautiful location, beautiful setting, tough golf course. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's some fantastic municipal courses in the states. Uh, Beth Page. Dare I say Chambers Bay? People sleep on Chambers Bay because they saw how horrible it played in the U.S. Open a few years ago with the with the terrible conditions of the of the greens. You didn't have any true rolls, but the course itself is a pretty cool, unique yeah. setting. Um, now, every week, Darren and I will be having an ongoing conversation, uh, a competition. I mean, we're obviously having an ongoing conversation as we are right now. <laughs> But yep. an ongoing competition, multiple comp- competitions, actually, because we have the swear jar competition. Thankfully, we've gotten through most of this so far with one apiece. So we're tied. So we don't owe each other money, even though we should be valuing different swear words for more. Like a like a certain word should be like 50 bucks and then like work your way down type shit. So uh, but apparently we're doing shot for shot on one dollar. So, so the words are equally valued. So if I say the S word. If I say shit, I just take it one. Darren can say the other one. Um, but anyway, so I'm two to one. <laughs> Where was I? Woo! The other competition that we're doing, spiraling. Let's go. We're gonna pick the winner of each tournament, and we'll be keeping a tally because you can only pick the same guy six times throughout the season, so it will be difficult, very difficult. But the thing is. So Darren and I, we're probably going to miss more than we hit. Obviously, there's like 150 guys in the field. How can you pick the winner? If you pick the safe guy, the world number one, like you're going to run out of time to use him. Oh, that's um, we're also going to pick three guys to finish in the top 20 every week. This won't be a competition, but for anybody looking for props, we're, we got it. We're doing props. Um, this week, we're only focusing on uh, outright winner and then three top 20 picks. We can get into top top twenties, top tens, top fives. We can even even do score by group. 
um, leader of each nationality. So whoever's winning for Canada, I would assume mm. Connors is probably plus 100 with the best <laughs> odds. Um, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, so that we're going to have a whole lot of things, hole in one stuff. But today we're keeping it simple. We picked a winner and we picked three top 20s. Now, Darren, who is the outright winner at Torrey Pines and the Farmers Insurance Open this week? I got Brooks Kepka. You have Brooks Kepka. <laughs> B Kepka off the board pick. Through the clutch. What's off what the are board. his odds? I have no idea. Oh my god, Darren, we need bets. the odds, dude. Okay, tell me about Brooks Kepka as I pull up the odds. I mean, I'm going is this his first first I'm pretty sure this is his first um showing in the season, right? Or do you play at the century? I don't know, man. You made the pick. All right. So <laughs> you you make the pick, you do the research. I do the pick, I do the research. I, honestly, I think the the only reason <laughs> stemming this uh the this pick is the fact that he he beat Bryson DeChambeau quite handedly in the match and I'm like, you know what? I saw his name and I like that. I like his odds. Okay. Brooks Kepka odds are plus $3,500. I need, Darren, for future, I'll be posting the odds and everything on Instagram so you can actually see what the odds are for our bets, our prop bet bets. So if you want to tail yep. them, you can tail them. Darren obviously didn't put the pro- <laughs> didn't look at the odds. Darren needs to bet. Darren needs to add the bet 365. That's where we're getting all of our odds from. He needs to download that onto his phone immediately. Plus 3,500 for Brooks Kepka to win. Those are pretty solid odds. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say Darren is 0 for one <laughs> because because I'm not taking the favorite. John Rom has to be mentioned here. He's plus 700 as a heavy favorite. I would never take a guy under 1,000 because of how large a field is. And there's a very good. It's likely that John Rom will win this tournament, but I don't want to use it because I don't want to be simple, simple, simple. I'm going plus yeah. two thousand, so better okay. odds than Darren. Plus two thousand, Xander Shoffley. Mm. So I'm yeah. playing the hometown guy from San Diego. Last year he finished tied in seventh place. I'm ignoring his years at Torrey Pines prior to that, because he. <laughs> Don't, because I lose credibility here. He missed four cuts in five prior years. Four mm. out of five, he missed the cut. But Xander is long overdue for a win, and his only start so so far at the season was at the Century Tournament Championship Champions, sorry, where he mm. finished twelfth overall, solo twelfth, I believe. And so I'm gonna lock that in. Shovely at plus two thousand. Darren, you have Brooks Kepka at 35. Mm-hmm. I like uh, according Kepka. to Bet365. Darren, who is your first pick for top 20? And I apologize if anybody can hear. I have a dog barking in the background. Um, she's angry because she's not in this room with me. It's fine. Darren, plus 20, who do you have? Ooh, and- first pick off the board. You mentioned that his name was actually Sleeper, and I actually felt the same way. Jason Day. Jason Day. Darren is going to make me pull up these odds as you explain, Darren, why. He's a previous two-time winner already at Torrey Pines in the last little bit. Now, I know he hasn't been playing, like, 
unbelievable golf, but for a guy who's won and has the ability to still put up, you know, pretty damn good golf numbers, uh, I like his odds. You know, it's crazy. Win. What's up? Jason Day's top 20. Yeah. Plus 320. Those odds. He's got hit and miss potential. Those odds I would take all day. I like that. Plus, plus 320 is almost like that's a surefire bet that he's going to. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought. It's not a surefire bet. It's money if you hit. If that hits. If you invest oh, okay. like fifty bucks and a hundred bucks in that, it's like three hundred and twenty dollars of winning. It's fine, not bad. Jesus. So yeah. those are solid odds. I'm I'm playing safe in my top twenty pick. It's a lock. Uh, make your money where you can. Invest a lot in this one. Uh, no, it's low risk, low reward. I am doing John Rom in my top twenty. I, I had to do okay. one little bitch pick. I'm sorry. That's a that's a swear. One little weak pick for me. Uh, he's a heavy favor going into this week. Obviously, I didn't want to pick him to win because his odds are too low. I'll take the layup and I'm gonna move on. Top twenty minus one eighty eight. Okay. The only minus oh. pick I have oh my is John Rom. Yes, so he he's gonna hit it. I almost should have been like put him in the top ten. I would put him in the top ten. I'm sure. Mm. Wherever you can get the minimum plus odds from him, I would put him there. Because yeah. there's no way he's not, I mean, not outside of top 20. Who's yeah, your number two? For... Again, no really reason behind this one as Brooks Kepka goes, but I just like I just like the way he shapes out on this golf course. Wait, did you say Brooks Kepka? No, oh, okay. like, like Brooks Kepka. Oh, okay, okay, um, okay. Sorry, Dustin Johnson. <laughs> DJ, okay, where are you, Dustin? I like DJ. Tell I like DJ. Dustin. I just like the fact that he can take this golf course on at the distance. Obviously one of, and still is, one of the longest hitters on tour. But he, he flushes iron shots. And I think the really big thing for 2022 for DJ is coming off a 2021 year where he didn't really perform so well. But in 2020 he did. Like we see the capability of what he can do when he's on. And honestly, I just have a good feeling with, with Dustin Johnson at Torrey Pines that, you know, he's going to find that button that he hit and just foot on the gas and have a great, great week. There we go. My pick, my number two pick, it's Mark Leishman at plus one. Oh, sorry, Dustin Johnson's odd, odds I didn't mention, plus 120 for a top 20. Mm. So it's those odds are fine. Um I would almost I would be hesitant to do his odds just because he hasn't been in the field for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I like that pick, Darren. There we go. We'll see. We should probably just tally up all these. Like who's gonna win these? But we, I don't want to do that. I didn't want to include the top twenty in our competition because I didn't want us playing safe every week. I wanted us to take some iffy guys, and Jason Day at plus three twenty. Mm-hmm. There you go with the it's close. Um, Mark Leishman for me at plus one seventy. Based off of his Torrey Pines track record, uh, he's in a solid position, solid, especially at these odds. Nothing really hey. more to it. Yossi, <laughs> he doesn't – I don't know if he's going to threaten to win, but he – I'm constantly high on him. He just seems like a consistently top 20. You can try to mark him down. I always believe he'll do well. I'm going to pick him a lot in this top 20. 
but Mark Leishman at Torrey Pines especially is a fairly safe bet at 170. It should be, mm-hmm. hopefully, plus 170. Um, number three pick, Darren, who's your last guy? I was going to say, Mark Leishman was a previous winner, too, at this yep, golf course. So. That's yes, good. Sir. Um, I'm gonna roll with a hot hand and stick with a stick with a fallacy that, for anybody who's into game theory, would definitely not be the case. But um, I'm gonna roll off a of Hideki, coming off a previous win. Might be feeling himself, at least for a top twenty. If he's locked into the golf right now, I think he's gonna be somebody to just contend with in the in the top twenty for sure. I agree. He's playing some amazing golf, especially the mm-hmm. past couple of years. I he's plus one fifteen, so I, got I also fine numbers. Every most outside of like the top three guys, everybody's actually plus even in the top twenty. So golf betting, get into golf betting, people, because golf betting is where you can actually make money. Yeah, um, I would do golf betting straight up prop plays plus money for safe, fairly safe plays. Like there's, I I guarantee. Well, no, I don't guarantee. I feel like two of three, two out of three of our picks will probably hit. Um, when I bet at the Hawaii Open, well, I bet last week and I was 0 for two. So to be fair, maybe not. But I was five for seven at Sony Open. I picked Hideki in my top five, and I'm very disappointed. I didn't pick him as my outright winner. I didn't pick an outright winner. He was my highest bet. Um, mm. but his odds were like plus. 2500 or something going into that tournament to win very disappointing that didn't pick that um my third pick is sam burns at plus 137 young guy whole lot of talent he is going to threaten the top 10 players in the world eventually maybe hopefully that might be a stretch but top 10 in this tournament is not out of the question uh top 20 i think it's safe uh but going forward that's kind of all we have we're going to change up the bets, do some more wild bets and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, Darren, our dudes t- this week, Brooks Kepka, 2,500 versus versus Xander Schauffele at plus 2,000. Darren odds are a little bit riskier. But, so that's no longer. We checked each of those guys off the list. Cannot. We only have five bets with them for the rest of the season. And yeah, Looks like I got Darren, four majors with Brooks Koepka from here. <laughs> Yo, if you if you want to do a crazy prop bet, people, obviously, parlaying futures you're not often able to do. Pick your major champions. You're gonna get plus like a hundred thousand dollar odds. Actually, more than that, you can get plus like two million odds. Like the odds are absolutely insane. If you put a dollar on it, you'll be swimming in. Five grand, ten grand type shit, if you get them right. So lock those picks in. Maybe we'll talk about some major champs coming up, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like those are parlays that would be unbelievable. But Darren, is there anything else we need to cover this week? No, I think I think we end on bets. Looking sure. forward to that too. We'll see how well this works out. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. see. We don't even know we'll how this episode strategy. has gone. So we'll if anybody, <laughs> absolutely. If anybody has stuck around to this point, we much appreciate it. We value you guys. Um, just let us know what we can do to make the show any better. Uh, if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on Instagram at Scramble Squad Pod, as well as Shape by Sports and ShapeBySports.com. 
Thank you for Jacob and Shape by Sports for putting this on. Now, going forward, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Um, I didn't prep a wrap-up today. I'm sorry for the pilot episode. We're going rough. We're just... Uh, I was going to say, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> but we don't have music today because the pilot episode, we'll get the music. We'll get this more professional going. I'll make sure that dog in the background isn't barking like crazy like she is right now. <laughs> and we will be here next week. Check us out every Wednesday. We'll have some fun, have some drinks, do some shit. We'll be good. That's three, four, four to one for me. Um, but yeah, okay. check us out, shapebysports.com, Instagram, Scramble Squad Pod, and Instagram, Shape by Sports. Daily content, lots of stuff coming. And thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, some video content will be coming as well. We got lots of stuff, maybe some scrambling vlogs. It'll be super fun. Anyways, mm-hmm. thank you. We'll see you next week. And that is it. Goodbye. Peace.